everybody. I'm Jane. And I'm Sarah. And you're listening to the Medium Curious Podcast, the show that brings the magic of mediumship to the mainstream. And today we're going to be sharing with you a little about who we are as normal moms, people, job holders, (laughs) placeholders in society, and our journey into mediumship and kind of the fears that we've had to confront and overcome in that journey. So medium who? Medium Jane and Sarah, here we go. Hi, beautiful Jane. Hi, beautiful Sarah. So happy to be sitting with you today. (sighs) Me too. How did you end up here as a medium? What led you to this point? And like, who are you in your everyday normal life? So my normal life has been a lot of fun. I, I started out as a an actor and then I became a filmmaker. And so because I was an actor, I wanted to be a director. And that was actually, you know, in the late 90s, pretty rare. There were not a lot of women directors. And so I've actually had a pretty phenomenal career being a being a chick director, you know, and starting a few production companies, two with partners worked for another production company. So I've been in, I've been in film production pretty much this whole time uh, up until now-ish. And in the last eight years, I was running a production company with this really wonderful person who I just have immense amount of respect for. And and I'm a big fan of him and his creativity. And he was just a really fun guy to run a business with. So that was in the Bay area. and, And we had a great time. We really had some nice success. And, but a couple of years ago, I suddenly, not suddenly, but I also back in 2014 had been somewhat initiated as a medium. And and I can tell you all about that. But essentially, short story, long story short, I was living these kind of parallel lives is how it felt. So the whole time I was running Mm. the business with this awesome partner, I also knew that I was supposed to be over here being a medium and being of service and being in the spiritual realm and and really like letting my crystals fly and, and telling the truth about, you know, my <laughs> perceptions and, and kind of all the magic that, that mediumship is for me, but I was too scared. And so I hid out, I hid out in my, really, I can understand I mean, that to be fair, time. I had an awesome it's, career, but it's scary coming out as medium. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of beyond frightening, honestly, this move that I made in 2023, but here we are in 2024 and I have to say, I feel super giddy most days. I feel really giddy to be making this podcast with you. And I feel like I don't even exactly know what life is going to be and how much of it's, I don't exactly know. People are like, well, what are you going to do? So it's a leap of faith. (laughs) Yeah. It was a leap and a jump and no wings and and it still is. So yes. So thanks for that acknowledgement. What about what about you, Sarah? What's what's your normal life look like? <laughs> well, I think we already talked about how I how I I fell into mediumship, but you know I've been raising three kids. I'm a musician. I'm I've been a music teacher. I I I play in orchestras. I've taught private lessons. I've taught at the school level, super busy in my kids' day-to-day lives. And, you know, this has just been kind of an added bonus. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about your 
I think you're a badass in the music in the music space. Can I mean you're just like yeah, you're throwing it away. Like oh, I play in orchestras. Like you what? You what? You can you talk about well, that? Yeah. So I. I have a master's degree in music from the San Francisco Conservatory Music. I did my undergraduate degree at Northwestern in music performance. I've been practicing. I play the oboe. I've been practicing the oboe since I was 10 years old. I make all my own oboe reads. I taught at UC Berkeley for 15 years as an adjunct faculty member. And, you know, it's just, it's a... The amount of dedication that it takes to be a classical musician and that concentration and the amount of work and the repetitiveness of it, I think, I've been able to translate into my mediumship practice. And I do feel like the way that my brain circuitry works, you kind of lose your thought patterns when you are playing music. You're not really thinking about things. You're just in that automatic, that automatic state. And a lot of it too is like when you're sitting in an orchestra, you're using your extra sense perception, like listening to other people on the other side of the orchestra. You know, if you're having to play with them, playing in tune with somebody. You don't even know how you do it. You don't even think about doing it. You just do it. You find the pitch and you kind of fit inside of someone else's sound. And that's very similar to me and how I think about mediumship, where I just kind of blend with energy. I allow energy to just blend with me. And a lot of that feels very familiar to me with playing in an orchestra, playing with an ensemble or playing with other chamber players. That's so beautiful. As you've been talking, it's like I can really feel into what you're saying. I'm not a musician. I'm married to a really handsome musician. And so I I know something about music, but very little. And so I love hearing you talk about it and how that parallel par- parallelogram with mediumship it's beautiful but and think but like too, tell, can you just brag a little bit like tell us <laughs> who you've been uh, on stage with and stuff well i like, mean i've played with the san francisco symphony uh, a long time ago in the ballet san francisco ballet and i was a member of the sacramento philharmonic and i play with the oakland symphony and Berkeley Symphony from time to time. It's, yeah, it's, it's a love affair. It's definitely a love affair. You know, you have to love, love being a classical musician because it's a lot of work and it, and it's really rewarding. It's like when you're in the zone and you're making music with people at a very high level, it really does feel transcendent. Mm. And I think a lot of that feeling is the feeling that I get and what I enjoy that that transcendent feeling from mediumship where you you're you're becoming a part of something greater than yourself so yeah. that's what I that's what I enjoy about it that's the two parallels plus the work ethic it, it takes to be a classical musician I also feel like I know that there's some mediums where it comes really naturally and it's very easy and it's just kind of who they are. But then there's other mediums who really, I don't want to say work at it, but they put in the time. They they show mm-hmm. up for the practices. They go to the practice circles. They take all the courses. They make sure that they're doing 
everything they can to give the, their sitters, the people that they're reading for, and the in service of spirit, the best the best service that they possibly can. And I just think that that's kind of the parallels between the two for me. Oh, plus I have three kids. <laughs> cool. Uh-huh. And I am, you know, big into serving the community and that keeps me pretty busy too. So that's, that's my life in a nutshell. So you went and took this big, huge leap of faith and you somehow know, and I know that you know deep down inside that you're doing what you should be doing. So what is it that led you to this? You you talked about in 2014 how you kind of entered into the world of mediumship and from then on knew that that was something that you needed to do. Can you share that story yeah, with us? For sure. I mentioned it a bit in episode one when I talked about how we have that in common, that we have a sweetheart young person on the other side who kind of really brought us into mediumship. But the story is pretty wild because I was attending my nephew's funeral across the country from where I was living. And during the wake, I'm not Catholic and I wasn't familiar with Catholic kind of rituals. And it was all really beautiful to me. Like I was kind of blown away how beautiful everything was. But so, so at the wake, I intuitively and psychically or whatever, suddenly saw him angry, jumping up and down on his casket. And I was really a little bit worried about, I I guess I had done enough esoteric studies by then to understand that, you know, some say that young kids can see spirits really easily. And there Mm -hmm. were a bunch of youngsters around. He's the oldest of six nieces and nephews. And and I, there were a bunch of littles that were beyond below five. And I was like, uh-oh, they're not, they're going to see this. But it seemed I was the only one seeing it. I mentioned it to my mom. I said, oh my gosh, Mitchell's really angry. <laughs> and she said, well, that's fair. He was only 14. Why should he leave earth? You know? And so then the next day was this gorgeous ceremony, the funeral. And I was sitting by myself because my mom you know, was with my stepdad who was like part of the proceeding, like the processional and all this kind of Uh beautiful magic again, like far out of my purview, but like, but like the incense. And I was like, the whole scene was so beautiful to me. And I was sitting by myself and all of a sudden I look up and you know how a lot of churches will have almost like kind of like a balcony or like, there's like a little ledge often times before the ceiling. Do you know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. And on that ledge, I perceived Mitchell, my nephew, and Jesus. And Whoa. they looked so really happy. So when you happy. say perceived, can you describe that a little bit? What do you mean by perceived? Yeah, it's sort of like, it's almost like out of the corner of my eye, or I just somehow just knew it. It's almost like I mentally superimposed it. I just knew that they were there and they were, they looked really happy. They were like kicking their legs. They looked like they were fishing, you know, like they were just like happy. And then like 20 seconds later, the, the fellow running the service, the pastor or priest or whatever one calls one person who does that, all his robes and his, you know, tassels. I was just like so enchanted by all the pageantry. And, and he said, Hey, we want to bring on the stage something really special. One of Mitchell's classmates drew this this week. So here comes this big 
you know, easel with like a painting of, of sorts. And this kid had drawn a picture of Mitchell and Jesus. Whoa. And I was like, what is this happening? Because of course in my, I'm like looking up, I'm looking down, I'm looking up, I'm looking down, I'm like Mitchell and Jesus, Mitchell and Jesus, Mitchell and Jesus, Mitchell and Jesus. What is happening? So that was really amazing. And then just so I kind of sat in shock and wonder throughout the rest of the service. And then I went to the family event afterwards and I met up with this really beautiful girl kind of in line for drinks or whatever, who was Uh at at this gathering. And I asked her, I said, who, you know, how did you know Mitchell? And she said, he was my best friend. When you say girl, do you mean like girl, like young girl? Yeah. Like she was like, so it was like all of our family, you know, and then I guess a few friends were at the kind of like post service gathering. Right. Uh And some of the friends were there and I didn't know this girl. And so she was a classmate of Mitchell's and she told me she was his best friend. Oh, so I let my heart break all over again as I stood there with her and I said, Oh honey, I'm so sorry. You know? And she said, he's in a good place. And I was like, how does that 14-year-old know that? You know, it was kind of amazing. And then she she said, and oh, and I got to see my grandma at the service. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> and I just knew, yeah, yeah. She, grandma wasn't on this earth, you know? I yeah. didn't think grandma just showed up. And I said, where, you know, where did you see her? How was that? And she's like, she just sat down next to me in the pew. And it was so nice to see grandma. And so just kind of following that, I said, and wait, did you see Mitchell? And she said, yeah, he was up there on the rafters with Jesus. No way. That's wild. That's wild. And she must have somehow knew when she was talking to you that she could tell you all of that. Hmm. That's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really precious moment. And... I mean, I was just so blown away that someone else witnessed this essentially like a supernatural phenomenon that was a new, very new thing for me. I'd only sort of perceived spirits maybe once or twice in my life up until that point. So this was like a big pivotal moment. And then I could sort of start to hear Mitchell in my mind. And that's when he started to kind of pull on my ear. And and mm. so so thus began my journey. And so having had something so wild and profound, and it felt to me like an initiation almost like, okay, you're, you have a calling and you've been ignoring it. And so here's life going to serve up something really intense and really important. And now you've got to decide what you're going to do with it. Wow. And, and, him showing up right then and there, that was, that would definitely, that would definitely start something off because then you now have this information that you're holding. Yeah. So what did you do with that? Yeah. Well, first of all, I was just so amazed that, that it was like visible to me or whatever that was. And Uh so, and then I also had an urgency, like I need to be able to hear him. I need to be able to understand what he wants. I need to be able to be the messenger between myself and my, my sister, my stepsister. And so then I just kind of like you described, like I was like, okay, where are the books? Where are the classes? Where do I go? What do I do? How do I unfold this craft? Like, how do I become this thing? 
that I apparently am, you know? So yeah. then I was like really like and straight A student. Meanwhile, I'm like starting the business with my business partner. And so I have this huge lift over here, but I'm also so obsessed with this material because it was so emotionally and critically important. And so some months later, I did sit down with my stepsister and I did say like, okay, here's what I've been hearing from Mitchell. And I was nervous because I just didn't know what her philosophy was, if she'd be open to it. Oh, yeah. And I'll just add really quickly, the thing that was so cool was she said, oh, yeah, you know, everything you're saying is exactly what my mom has been saying. Whoa. And I was like, really? <laughs> I'm not the only one who can hear Mitchell? That's great, <laughs> you know? And then it turns out that not long after that, her mama was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and, you know, was pretty heavy into that decline and was telling the whole family exactly what she was hearing from Mitchell. And I think some other family members did not believe her at all. And I was going, no, that's right. Nope. That's right. right. That's totally true. And I'll just say one more thing about that, which is I believe that folks who endure the memory loss and get into that kind of a disease at the end of their lives, that their their spirit is popping in and out of here. That's just I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. So then it made sense to me. She's like, oh, she's got to go hang out with Mitchell. And she's just like had this yeah. tragic, terrible thing happen. And so there's, she's like, part of her was like, followed him over is a little bit how I believe it. So anyway, wow. yeah, that's, that's what happened. Was that at all comforting what, to your stepsister? Did she take yeah, comfort in it that? Was. It was. Yeah. She did. Yeah. And then I would text her when I would get a pull on my ear or I would get some uh-huh. signs and messages from Mitchell. And and she hears him now too. Like she gets signs and messages oh, and so she great. knows that he's close by. Yeah. That's so good. Did yeah. So before that experience with Mitchell, so you said that you felt this pulling on your ear and you knew what it was, but had you had anything before that, before that experience of losing Mitchell? Yeah, I had studied shamanism with a dude who had been initiated by the Hawaiian shamans, or he had actually been, he'd been initiated spontaneously. And and there's a bunch of great books about his experience. So he was a scientist. He was an anthropologist and had been, had, had spontaneous experiences at night where he like traveled into the future and traveled into these alternate realms. And because he was a scientist, he, he was very methodical. Like he'd come back from these wild, like trips, basically, it's almost like he was like tripping, like you went on drugs or something. And he'd come back and he'd record everything very carefully. And he has mm. a brilliant mind. And so he's able to like pull down all these details. His name is Hank Wesselman. And the books are Spirit Walker, Medicine Maker. And what was the third in the trilogy? He wrote three books about, he's written a bunch of books actually. And a family member introduced me to the idea of Wesselman and his work. And so I went and stayed with him and his wife, Jill. And so I believe that's what really opened me up was two things, studying shamanism And then also I had learned some hands-on healing from my aunt. And once I put my hands and raised the... So the concept of the hands-on healing is very much like Reiki, where you raise Mm -hmm. the vibration between your hands and you like Mm -hmm. essentially like entrain the lower frequencies that are happening in illness to the higher frequency between your hands. And so I had seen a couple of spirits come in 
when I was doing a healing session and I was terrified. I was like, <laughs> who's that? What's happening? Oh my God. <laughs> you have the ability. You just weren't ready to accept the mission. <laughs> exactly. That's perfectly said. I was not accepting any mission from anyone, especially because when I met, so I was just doing the healing on this woman and I said, are your parents dead? <laughs> it's like how I said it, which isn't very nice. Are your parents dead? She was like, yeah. And I go, they're here, both of them. They're at the foot of the bed. I could feel them, sense them, see them down there. So then I started describing her parents to her and telling her what I was getting. And she was like, yes, yes, yes. And so then her mom suddenly like jumped into me and started speaking through me. And I was oh, like, wow, Jane, I don't know who you are, but you got to get the fuck out. <laughs> you got to get out. I don't want that. So that, that really turned me off. So for about 10 years, I was like, just to be clear though, when you said you need to get out, she got out, right? She did. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't want to, we don't want to scare anybody. We don't want to be scary. No, but you can understand why I would be scared. But you're right. She did. We do have domain. We have absolute and total control over our own systems and we have full power to say, get out. And that's right. Yeah. That's an important part of this. Yeah. Well, that's super interesting. Yeah. Maybe TMI, but yeah. So Sarah, more about you. I know you said that you're of service to the community. Can you name it? Are you going to say what you do? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I know we've brought my, my friend Eliza up, but we're both co- presidents of the middle school PTA, which is a super fun job. We get to fundraise together and do PTA meetings. And there's a lot of awesome work that we could get to do in our community through that. But yeah, it keeps me pretty busy between that and three kids and being a musician. And then this lovely new, I gotta say, it's kind of an obsession. This you know, getting to give readings to people and do this lovely work with you. So yeah, it's definitely full life, full magical life. And I I don't think I would change anything, but it is definitely, it's definitely interesting. I don't think a lot of people have any idea that I do this. I do this when my kids are at school. (laughs) You, you change lives basically while your kids are at school, as as evidenced by our last guest. Oh, I guess. I so. mean, it sounds dramatic, <laughs> but it, yeah, you did. Yeah, and you offer a huge gift, is what I want to say. Yeah, and you I, are super studious, and you are on it. And something I super respect is like your practice, the way you approach mediumship. You you shared a little bit about it with the music, but that's. Practice it like I do a classical musician for sure. Yes, there is definitely a a work ethic that people can bring to it. So it's it's not it doesn't all just happen for some people. Well, I mean, it happened for you. It was very easy for you, but you did you you did a fair amount of work. You've done the courses. You've gone to Arthur Finley. In England. I mean, when did you first go there? That's a huge deal. That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I I went over there in 2019 and that's where I met my teacher 
that I wound up co-teaching that class where you and I, where you came oh, online. That's right. So that yeah. was a direct result of you going there. Oh, very cool. I didn't, I didn't quite put those two together. Yeah. That's a very special place on earth. I've been multiple times since. I had the good fortune of going twice last year. It's so fun. I call it Hogwarts. I don't think they necessarily love that people call it Hogwarts because <laughs> it's not <laughs> it's Hogwarts. It's a different kind it's of magic. Arthur Finley, yes. Yeah. It's Arthur yes. Finley and it's a very clearly defined spiritualist. They are practicing mediumship in the way that spiritualist church does. So there's some real important delineations that sometimes happen there, but being in a huge castle basically with hundreds of people who do this is like the best. And my total fantasy is for the two of us to get to go sometime soon, Sarah, because being there oh, with I you know. would be like dream come true. I know, I know it's I not this go. week, but <laughs> <laughs> definitely not this week. Nope. <laughs> so I think there's the craft, right? That really requires, there's a tradition, there's a craft, there's, and now that we've been doing this for a while, there's definitely a lot of different schools of teaching this. And there's definitely right. things that we make sure that we do when we're giving an actual proper reading. Do you want to speak to that? Oh, I'd love it if you did, actually, Sarah. Can I toss that one right back to you? Yeah. So there, when you're entrusted with bringing through evidence from spirit, for people, it's a big, huge responsibility. And I don't know any mediums who are flippant about it or take it lightly. There, there's something about sitting with somebody in their grief. And a lot of times people come because they need a connection. They need some relief from their grief. And sometimes people are just coming because they're interested. But whatever they're there for, it's you're 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 there in service of them and in service of spirit. So the responsibility is in getting getting it right, getting it to the best of your ability. When I'm when I'm sitting there in the intention of bringing through information, I'm wanting to make sure that I'm not adding any of my own spin to things if I can help it, that I'm getting, bringing through exactly the information that I'm getting. And when I'm giving it, I'm not swaying somebody or making somebody scared or fearful. And I, you know, evidence is evidence is evidence is evidence. That's what all the mediumship teachers will tell you, that you need to bring through things that you would not have known otherwise. And that gives this craft, Like John Edwards' it, hair. Yeah, like I, I had I'd never seen a picture of her dad. I had no idea what he looked like. This is about our previous episode where I brought through my friend's dad. So that's that's the type of evidence that we're looking for. That we're not making it up, that it is actually valid and true and makes a difference. Is that your experience with it too, Jane? Yeah. Yeah, no, you teed that up beautifully. It's true. I think that, you, you know, the way you talk about the responsibility, it is a really big deal and something that, that I take very seriously. And I agree, most mediums that I know are very serious about it. And I think that's a, a lot of what we're doing here with this podcast is talking about 
You know, the mediumship that we have come to know and love and that we study and how my, my impression is that most people, someone who might have found out that you're a medium and suddenly like maybe not want to be in your presence, which has certainly happened to me because they have a bunch of fear or noise or religious beliefs or something is stopping them from thinking that this is a good idea. Right. And my, my experience of it and my, my study and my, my love of it all comes from a place that it's such a beautiful experience to be able to raise a vibration, be in a space where we can hear a spirit who's crossed over, who's, who's not in a body communicate really important stuff to us, including, you know, first of all, evidence, here's who I am. Here's how I was. Here's how I acted. Here's what I looked like, which isn't the most important thing, of course, but, but it's just part of the evidence. Like here's a piece of jewelry I wore. Here's something that you did last week. Here's just like, just really amazing stuff. And again, there's no world where we would know that stuff. And so then it sets it up. It opens the door wider. It's like, oh my gosh, you really are talking to my gram or you had like Sarah gets names a lot. I don't get names that often, but like, you know, just all this like really wild information is like flowing in. And then the most important part comes, which is like, what do you want to say to your person? Like I heard, you know, Britt mentioned that you asked them what do you want to ask your dad? Like, that's my favorite part when the, when the mm. link is really flowing and we're like hearing them and they're hearing us. And we're just like, and, and this is what I always say to my people is like, my whole job is to get unemployed here. Like my whole job is to help you understand that you can talk to them at any point. And that's so right. obsolescence since is actually what we're going for. But first, you know, we're just a whole army of light workers of people who love love this craft because of the, you know, bloom and miracles that have, that have occurred. So anyway. Well, okay. I've got one I, quick question for you about, so when you, before you had seen Mitchell and you felt that tug on your ear and you felt the calling, you'd been doing the work, the energy healing work, the body work, the hands-on healing. Is that what you called it? Mm-hmm. And you felt that yeah. mother move in and the fear was there. The fear stopped you. The fear kept you from. So how how did you reconcile that and move forward with Mitchell? Because I think that's where a lot of people might get stuck. The fear. Get stuck. The fear part. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I think it's just a function of priorities. Like it was my fear, which I think was valid, but what I needed to do for my family was more important than my fear. Plus Mm. I had, you know, I was in pursuit of the study. Like there has to be a way, there has to be a way to make this feel safe. And then as I started to read all the books and yeah, exactly. Which is, yeah, part of what I hope, what we're trying to do here. We can do. And there's all these really amazing people who are on the like army of educators, like Suzanne Giesman. And, you know, you can start to name them, but there's, like Alex, what's Alex's last name? Ferrari. Ferrari, yeah. Like there are people who are stepping in to teach all of us about this amazing craft of mediumship and channeling and all this good stuff. And everybody's stepping in. So anyway, I guess I just hope we can kind of join the ranks of that crew of of bringing this profoundly magical, wild, what is even happening (laughs) experience to the everybody. Well, I think then 
that's a good place for us to wrap it up then. This is what we want to do for you, dear listeners, is just to bring this to you as we are discovering it. And as we continue with our curiosity, we hope that we can satisfy that in you as well. So bring us your questions, bring us your needs, bring us your you know, hopes for, for guests and for anything that you want to see and hear on the podcast. And also, we are going to be starting to do some readings for our listeners, and we'll tell you about that next episode. But watch the socials because we're, we're talking about it there too. So we're excited to be in community with y'all and grateful that you're here. Love you guys. With that. Love you, Jane. Love you guys. Love everybody else. Love you, Sarah. See you next week. Bye. Medium Curious is made possible by Jane Morgan Editing. Sarah Rathke made the amazing music. And Gigi Hawkins, podcast consultant. Our logo was created by Eric Allen. Kyle Hansen McKee, photography. And the dogs under the desk in Hawaii are Kalea and Domino. And Trixie in California.